Hallelujah. Let's go into the word. Thank all of you for watching with us today. Amen. Thank all of you. Amen. That's joining. Amen. I pray that the word of God speaks to you today. Amen. I'm going to talk to you about worshiping by sacrificing. Praise God. And a lot of the Christian world, a lot of believers today, their eyes and mind, they're thinking about what Christ did for us and rightfully so. He paid an awesome price for us to be saved. Amen. He paid an awesome price. But as a church world, amen, we got to understand that God didn't ask only Christ to sacrifice. Amen. But he's also requiring sacrifices from us. Amen. So as we go into the word, amen, let me give you the definition of sacrifice. And I'm going to talk about Christ's sacrifice. I'm going to show you our patriarch Abraham, his sacrifice and how God responded to his sacrifice. And then I'm going to transition and show you how God is requiring you to walk in the same manner. Praise God. So in any relationship, amen. Our relationship with God is it's a relationship. And God gave instructions on things that pleases him that keeps the relationship intact. And if we do anything outside of what pleases God, it jeopardizes the relationship. I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about relationship over religion and how God's heart has always been for relationship with each individual. We talked about the new covenant briefly and just talked about how God said we won't have to look to our neighbors and say no God. It says but we shall all know him from the least to the greatest. Praise God. So let's go into this. Let me give you what's sacrificing. And then note that no relationship bonds or grows in intimacy or grows in levels without party sacrificing. Amen. For God himself sacrificed. The scriptures say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave or he sacrificed something that he loved dearly to pave the way for others to have access to him. And the scripture says he did it first. He did it first. And so we're going to look at how sacrificing is worship. And then we're going to understand what God is requiring us to sacrifice. Amen. God is no longer requiring us to give animals in our place. Amen. And I'm going to visit that too. But let me just give you, and I hope you will take notes and through the week, amen, go back and review this because Sometimes you can't get everything in one sitting. So you've got to take notes and go back. Just like watching a movie, sometimes you watch it and then, and every time you watch it, you grab a detail that enhances it for you. So it is with the word of God. <laughs> Amen. So let's look at what the word sacrifice means. <laughs> sacrifice by definition, it simply means destruction or surrender of something for the sake of something else. Destruction, meaning something is utterly destroyed, is you can't see it anymore. That's why the, the, the sacrifices in the Old Testament were done with fire. And the fire consumed what was sacrificed.
Because a true sacrifice, if you see any portion of what you sacrifice, it takes away from the strength of the sacrifice. The only way the sacrifice is powerful and potent is if what sacrifice is no longer seen is dead, the Bible calls it. And then he talks about surrender. Surrender. When you sacrifice something, you surrender it. You give it up. You take your hands off it. Your control of it is removed. Then you do these things. You destroy it and surrender it for the sake of something else. Many times people understand this. If you're starting a company, you sacrifice family time. You sacrifice vacations. You sacrifice time off because you will know that if I give this up today, what I'm going to get later is going to be a great reward. So in these passages, we're going to understand why did God require things to be burned in his presence? Why did God require death and destruction of something? Because here's let's walk through this. Let's go to the book of. Uh, Exodus, and we're going to start in this Old Testament. And here the concept of sacrificing was introduced. Amen. But remember the things in the Old Covenant were shadows and types or allegories, or they introduced concepts and principles, but the very image or the true thing that God was trying to accomplish came when Jesus Christ came. So Exodus 29, let's walk through this, verse 15 to 18. Exodus 29, verse 15 to 18. And I'm going to give you something today that's going to enrich your walk with God. Praise God. Let me read these few verses, and then we'll walk through them. And the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons. Okay, look like I got the wrong passage. Let me go. Uh, let's see. Okay, hold on. Let me get my right scripture here. Look like I'm in the wrong one. Hold on, y'all give me a second. Oh, verse 15. There we go. He says, Thou shalt take also the ram, and thou shalt take his blood, and sprinkle it. Well, verse 15 first. Thou shalt take also one ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the ram, taking control of it. Then thou shalt slay the ram, and thou shalt take his blood. When they slay the ram, the blood coming out, it says, Thou shalt take his blood and sprinkle it round about the altar. Then thou shalt cut the ram in pieces, and then wash the inward parts, Wash him and his legs, then put them into his pieces and into his head. Then thou shalt burn, thou shalt burn the whole ram up on the altar. It is a burnt offering unto the Lord. It is a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Amen. And thou shalt. Cut the ram in, okay, verse 18. Okay, and so what happened is God told the priests, the priests, they would grab this ram, put their head on the ram's head, their hand on his head, and then they would start to kill the ram. 
And then as the blood was coming out of the ram, they were supposed to take the blood of that ram and put it all on that altar. And then they put the ram on there and then they would set a fire to it. And when they sacrificed it, when that fire hit that ram, then that smoke started going up. When all of that started going up to God, it released a sweet smell going up into heaven. And when that smell of that ram and that sacrifice got in God's nostrils, it was a sweet aroma into God's nose. What did that mean? In that time, when human beings did things that violated God's word, they had to go take an animal. And they would, when they would take that animal, they would take that animal, and the death of that animal was really supposed to be the death of the person that violated. But God in his mercy didn't kill the person. He killed the ram. And so the, when that ram died, God was looking at it like that sinful practice died. So the death of that ram represented whatever violation that individual committed, it represented that that particular violation was died or dead out of that person. So when they took that blood, why did God want that blood to be spilled? When that blood was spilled, in Leviticus it talks about the life is in the blood. And what that was supposed to represent, anything that you do, Paul talked about how sin gets in our members, it gets in our mind, and it gets in our body, and it gets in our heart. And when that blood was coming out, it was supposed to be a representation of the sinful practice that that individual did being uh, running out through that blood, burning that ram. And God was pleased when that sinful practice was burned away. But the problem was the scriptures say that God found a fault with that covenant. But the fault was that when that ram died and that blood spilled, you couldn't take that animal's blood and put it on the mind of a human and purge out of that man the thing that God wasn't happy with. So it, it, it symbolized to God the death of a person. But in that old time, praise God, it couldn't get the job done. Because what God is looking for, what God is requiring, is truth in the inward parts. And the only way that we can get truth in our inward parts, don't miss this part, but that's why Paul talked about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, and we're going to get to that. <laughs> Praise God. So whenever those priests destroyed that ram and they cut it and they slayed it and they burned the blood, burned the ram, all of that went up to God, that was supposed to be the individual that violated it on there. Praise God. So that was an appeasement to God. That was God forgiving. That was God saying, okay, if that sinful practice is dead, I'm satisfied. But the problem is a human is more valuable than an animal. So the writer says that the blood of an animal is not possible to purge the conscience of a man. Praise God. So now when you move forward and you look at what Jesus did and you start to understand that his sacrifice was much more deeper than us just remembering him on a day. But every day of the year, that sacrifice that Christ did, it opens up a way to God for us 365 days 
of the year, that sacrifice was more potent than us just one day of the year coming and just remembering what he did. Though we need to remember all of the time what Jesus did, but we need to understand the, the impact. We need to understand what God was doing. Praise God. So let's go over here to the next passage. And as we walk through understanding the ram being slayed and we understand why the blood was slayed and we understand these things. Now we're going to move as I build up on that. Praise God. Let's go over here to the book of. Let's go over here to the book of. We're going to move to. Gospel of John. Gospel of John, chapter 15. Praise God. Let's go to Gospel of John, chapter 15. So here we're going to see, as we walk through the four stages of this message, you're going to see the sacrifice of that animal. And now Christ is going to speak to us about what he did. And sacrifice, remember the whole point of this is talking about worshiping by sacrificing. Worshiping by sacrificing all right so let's go over here to the gospel of john chapter 15 verse 12 and 13 john 15 verse 12 and 13 all right in no relationship can you say you love that other party without you sacrificing time or money effort you can't tell your wife i love you but you never give up time doing other things. You can't say I love you, but I'd rather I'm going to go and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'll spend time with you when I get the time. That is not love. That is surface. Relationships grow in intimacy and bond when two parties start to give up things for one another. And when you, the greatest expression of love is when you give up something that you love to stay in harmony or in connection with something else. There is no greater expression of love than sacrificing. So look what Jesus said. John 15, verse 12 to 13. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I loved you. He says, and greater love has no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. What Jesus is saying is there is no greater expression of love than when someone takes their life that they enjoy, their right to live, and they take their life that they're living and lay it down for the sake of somebody else. There is no greater expression of love to God than when God requires us to give up things. Everything you give up to God to be with him and to worship him and to serve him is an act of sacrifice. For instance, this is now I'm going to go into this. If you are a person that enjoy anything in this world and is let's just say you love alcohol. You love it. Amen. That's something that you love to do. You love to drink. And God comes to you and God is saying, hey, if you want to follow me, I'm requiring that you give this up. 
That's part of your old man. That's part of your old character. That's part of who you are. That's how people know you. That's how you identify. And when God comes to you, God may say, hey, give that up. And when you start, now if you fight with that and you don't want to give that up and you start finding all kind of reasons to hold on to what you love, then you're not one that's going to walk in an intimate relationship with God because you can't get intimate with God without sacrificing or giving up things that you love to do because that violates what he has commanded us to do. So the only way you can draw close to God is by sacrificing. The Christians that don't want to sacrifice are the ones that fall into this category when Jesus said, they honor me with their lips. See, when you honoring God with your lips, that means you speak that I love God. But from the heart, when he starts dealing with the heart about things to give up, dealing with the heart about how to get closer and more intimate with you, that's the times that you can't fight, you can't resist the Holy Ghost, you can't argue with him, you can't frustrate him. Because when the Holy Ghost is prompting you to move forward, and this is something people pray for the Holy Ghost to lead them and guide them in all kind of things for different decisions they're making. And well, the Holy Ghost is going to lead you to sacrifice. The Holy Ghost is going to get in your heart and search it and find things in there in that old man that God don't like. And he's going to lead you to your cross. That's what you got to catch in this message. Jesus, everybody can say, oh, Jesus got on the cross. But he said, when you come to follow me, you have a cross. And the symbolism of that is whenever he's asking you to give up things, that thing that he's asking you to give up, you got to put it on your cross and it has to be crucified. That's living us life of sacrifice. Now you understand why Paul said present your body as a living sacrifice. All that's saying is when you receive the spirit of God, you presenting your body to God's spirit and you allowing him to search you and go through your inward parts, through your mind, through your spirit, <laughs> through your heart, through your innermost being. And anything that, he's, that he finds that's not pleasing to him at that moment, what God is offering you, when he's bringing you to that moment, he's offering you a moment to sacrifice or kill something out of you that will only bring you closer to him. That's how you draw near to God. Amen. So I don't want to miss that point. Jesus says, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. But that scripture is telling you in any relationship, the greatest way for that relationship to grow and become more intimate and to become deeper. If somebody's not willing to give up something to stand a marriage with you or a relationship with you, it is only logical and intelligent to question the level of the love because true love doesn't hold back anything. If you really love somebody, you'll give up any and everything you have to do to keep that person in your life. If you're not willing to give up any and everything to keep that person in your life, then your love is at the lip level and not the heart level. Because when your love is at the heart level, if somebody come to you and say, hey, in order for this relationship to continue, you got to do X, Y, Z. And if they're not willing to do X, Y, Z, intelligently, it's fair to question, do you really love me? And God has always questioned mankind's love for him. All throughout the Bible, God has questioned because the answer to the question is this. 
If you're involved in anything that doesn't please God and he's asking you to give it up, it doesn't matter what you tell people that you love him. It's shown by what you're willing to sacrifice. What you're willing to give up for God is the way you show him that you love him. Praise God. Love is a act. The Bible says, let us not love in word only, but indeed by what we do and in truth. Praise God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Praise God. So I'm just walking through a few scriptures real quick. Ephesians chapter 5. Can I get an amen, somebody? <laughs> it's different. Hallelujah. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. I'm going to get there. There is no intimacy in love without somebody giving up something. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Verse 1, 2 say, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. They say, and walk in love as Christ has loved us. Now Paul is getting ready to tell the church, the thing that you saw Christ do, now you've got to live that same type of life. He says, and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling Savior. So over here in the Old Testament, we saw that rams were given as sacrifices instead of the human. But now we're seeing God actually giving his own son as a sacrifice. The scripture said he gave himself for us as an offering now, understand about an offering. When you get an offering that's acceptable to God, that's what makes this so beautiful. An offering that's acceptable to God, it couldn't be something with a blemish on it. It couldn't be something deformed. It couldn't be. It had to be something healthy and strong and vibrant. Or it wasn't an acceptable sacrifice. And Christ, now what causes us as an offering to be pure to God is when there's no spots on us. And when there is no spots on us, then we move into how Paul said, ready to be offered. So this scripture said Christ offered himself. And when he offered himself, you saw in the Old Testament how that aroma went up from that sacrifice as a sweet savior. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. It says Christ offered himself and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savior. Now, we've got to realize that our life lets off fragrances to God. Do you remember when God talked about how sin covered the whole earth? It says how a stink came up off of the surface of the earth and it was going into the nostrils of God. We've got to understand God is a spirit. And when we start understanding that God is a spirit, think about this. When Christ was giving himself as a sacrifice, there was a sweet smell coming off of him. And it was going up into the nostrils of God as a sweet smell. Now, as you move into the book of Revelation, do you see the smell coming off the ram? You see the smell coming off Christ. In the book of Revelation, it talks about how when the saints came together and when the saints began to pray, it talks about how the, the angels took vows 
And when the prayers of the saints started going up into heaven, it talked about how those prayers with those fragrances, they went up to God's nostrils as a sweet smelling aroma. And the only way we're letting off the right smells to heaven is when we're walking and living a life of sacrifice. If God is dealing with us to give up things that he's not pleased with and we're not giving it up, that's not letting off a smell to God that he's pleased with. If you're involved in a life of fornication and God comes up to you and God says, hey, I want you to let that go. And, and if you don't let that go, there's no way you can walk in harmony with me. And you don't give that up. That's not, but when you start to come into the altars of God and you come in the church and the altar and the spirit of God meets us at the altar and when the spirit of God, now your altar have to be wherever you are. But when, when you come in contact with the spirit of God and the spirit of God is purging that out of your mind and it's purging that out of your flesh and it's purging that out of your members, but that is releasing odors to God because you have willingly come to God and sacrificed that. You're not trying to hold on to things that please God and justify it and build excuses for it, but when you sacrifice and give those things up to God, that is how you release the right thing to God. Because now he starts to go down the list. But fornication and uncleanness and covenants, let it not be once named among you. But now he's starting to show you the things that, that, that Christ did not want us walking in. Praise God. Praise God. So let's go over here to Genesis chapter 22. Now I'm going to show you how worship is sacrifice. Or sacrifice is worship. And I want you to catch this very well because a lot of times what we are doing, <laughs> a lot of us, we seek God and, and we want to feel his presence. And that's good because when the spirit of God comes up in your presence, you can feel the spirit of God in your presence. But I'm going to show you a more intimate way that you can know and you can know what God is thinking about what you're doing. You can understand how God feels Let's walk through this in Genesis chapter 22, verse 9 to 18. And we're going to look at Abraham real quick so you can get an understanding that sacrifice is worship. Genesis 22. Genesis 22, 9 to 18. And I hopefully this can answer some questions for those that's really trying to draw closer to God and have a wonderful walk and relationship you can never get close to god if you're not willing to sacrifice and give things up for him praise god praise god every relationship is going to come to moments of sacrifice in the human relationship anybody ever been through a relationship and you questioned you had a friend and you wanted and 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 you know you have to every relationship is going to be challenged because it's it's in the times where sacrifice is required is when you really see the person that's in you that you're in relationship with praise god genesis 22 9 to 18 <laughs> amen and so verse 9 and it came to the place and they came to the place here's abraham getting ready to offer his son they came to the place which god told him of let me get my And they came to the place which God had told him of. Then Abraham built an altar there. 
And he laid wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son. And he laid him on the altar upon the wood. Then Abraham stretched forth his hand. And then he took his knife to slay his son. Then the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven. And said Abraham, Abraham. Then he said here am I. Then he said lay not thine hand upon the lad. Neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fears God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. Here is the verse 12, and I want you to write this down. I want you to meditate on it. I want you to keep this with you all week long. Verse 12. When Abraham began to go out there and build that altar before God, God was watching. When God is requiring you to give things up, it's not me that you got to impress. It's not the people you go to church with that you got to prove that you're living for God. But this is what we need to know. That when we say we're going into relationship with God, we need to realize that God himself is paying attention to the life that we live. Okay, so when Abraham got ready to give up the things that he loved for God, there was a voice came out of heaven. And look what the voice said. He said, lay not thine hand upon the land, neither do anything unto him. Look what God said. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, thine only son from me. This is the moments in your Christian walk when God is speaking over you whether he know that you love him or not. You don't show God that you love him just by coming sing for him, serve for him, <laughs> preach for him. But you speak to God more profoundly whenever God is requiring you to sacrifice or give things up for him. And when you give those things up to him or for him in those moments, that's when your walk with God grows deeper and richer and more intimate. That's when you're proving to God that you love him. That's when you are showing God when you giving up things for him. When God deals with you and say, hey, I don't want you hanging in this area no more. Then you give that up. Then you are showing God, I'm serious about living for you. I'm serious about being saved. I'm serious about being an example for you. When you are holding back and you know God is dealing with you in your heart, you can't blame anybody because you don't want to sacrifice. Your walk with God is challenged in times of sacrifice. And if you are not enjoying a deep, a rich, intimate walk with God, it's only because you're not sacrificing. It's not because it has somewhat to do with where you go to church, making sure you eat in the right word and things like that. But your walk with God is more predicated on when the spirit of God is dealing with you and God is trying to show you. The scriptures use this term, draw nigh to God. How do we think we draw nigh to God? You draw near to God when he's dealing with you on what's keeping y'all apart. And when God is showing you what's keeping y'all apart, then whenever he's telling you, hey, this thing right here is keeping us apart. Then you say, God, for you, I'm giving it up. Then guess what happened? You just drew near to God. You got closer to God. You don't draw close to God by putting on worship songs and just lifting your hand up. But that's the first, that's first level worship right there. There's levels to worship. 
That's just first level. Because the Bible does tell us to sing in our heart and make melody to God. That's first level. But deeper level worship is when that person that bothered you or that maybe you were in a relationship with somebody, not married to them, and you turn to Christ and Christ is saying, give that up. And then you start blocking the number and you start dodging them and you start cutting that thing off. What you think draws you closer to God? Putting on a worship song and, and still doing the things that God don't like or having no worship song on but giving up the things that God wants you to give up. What you think draws you closer to God? Coming to church and then going back and doing the things that God don't like or coming to church, taking that word, and when that spirit begins to show you things that's keeping your relationship from moving into a deeper intimacy to you putting it away. Obviously, everybody know the answer. Your, your walk with God is only going to be enhanced through levels of sacrifice, levels of worship. The more you walk with God, Paul used this term. He said, I die daily. He said, what was he talking about? He would say, whoever I was, old man, before I came to God, it may have taken me 40 years to 50 years to accumulate that character. He said, but that part of me, when I turn to Christ, that part of me must die. How does it die? When the Spirit of God begins to deal with you as you're walking with the Lord. And he starts to share with you, hey, now I'm calling you to a deeper walk. Now I'm calling you into more intimacy. The only way you can grow more intimate with God is taking your attitude and sacrificing it on the altar. Taking the things that's not pleasing to God, sacrificing it on the altar. You got to take, I'm not talking about like this altar like Abraham, but he's talking about the thing that you love. When God starts dealing with you, sacrificing it for him. Praise God. And every time you sacrifice something for God, your relationship with God grows deeper and more intimate. You got to know that. Sure, we know in common sense in human world. Sure, we know. Sure, we know that relationships grow deeper and more intimate over time. You gain greater respect and love for your spouses as you see them grow and they working hard. As you see that y'all face financial difficulties and y'all come together. Can somebody sacrifice their time and get a part-time job to help pay the bills? You gain, you gain newfound respect for people that you're in relationships with when you see they're willing to sacrifice to keep things moving forward. And so it is with God. When you're giving up things, when, when Christ gave up his life, Jesus said there is no greater sacrifice than me giving up my life for my friends. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. So there is no greater way to show God that you love him than by giving up things that will cause the relationship with him to continue. That's the greatest form of worship. What do you mean? You can worship God on a Friday night by not going to the club. <laughs> what you mean? If last Friday you, that was something that party coming up and that's something you love to do, then now you come to church Sunday, you hear the word and it pricked your heart and you say, and Christ starts dealing with you about the company you keep and he's calling you to salvation, praise God. And then the next thing you know, that next time it come around and you feel the urge and you feel all of that in your body and your members, and you say, I'm killing that out of me. I'm not doing that. 
I'm not doing that. I'm not going. You just sacrifice something that you love. And when you sacrifice something that you love, you showed God, God, I'm serious about my walk with you. Now, you can, now, two ways that can happen for the Christian. Some Christians can put their music on and then still go do the things they want to do. But by lips say, I love God, and find reasons to cover up practices that they know God is not pleased with. But the true worshiper will give up anything that God prompts their heart to release to keep the relationship with God intact. That is worship. Worship is sacrificing. Sacrifice is worship. Praise God. Okay. So look what God said in verse 12. Look what God said in verse 12. God said, now I know that you love me because you love this son that was your only son. Now I know this was God saying in God's heart, God's bear witness. God say, now it has bear witness in my heart and in my mind and in my spirit that you love me because you what, what, what this was a test of was commandment number one, having no gods before him. See, when you, when you don't have any gods before him, Abraham was not going to let Isaac be a source of idolatry. Idolatry is the opposite of sacrificing. When you, when you, before you come to Christ, you may have several idolatrous type practices, several things that you love to do as a sinner. But when you come to God, anytime God is challenging you to sacrifice things and you don't sacrifice it, that's idolatry because you loving that more than you loving him. Praise God. So you got to be willing to sacrifice whatever God is prompting you to do, whatever God is moving you to do. When, now, this is how you frustrate the grace of God or the spirit of God. The grace of God or the spirit of God or the spirit of grace is what it's called. It comes in our heart and it's leading us and it's guiding us and we're walking and we come to church and we have a good time. And you hear something in there and it deals with you because the man of God that's speaking under the anointing, it should deal with your heart. And when that word comes and it deals with your heart, then God is saying, okay, in order for our relationship to grow deeper, number one, or to continue, number two, in order for the relationship to grow deeper or to continue, you're going to have to sacrifice in this area. <laughs> and, now you, and you know it's the spirit dealing with you. You know God is leading you to do that. And you say you battle with it. You wrestle with it. That's called frustrating the grace of God. When you get frustrated, frustrating is like hitting your head against the wall. Frustrating is like you, you can't seem to get past this obstacle. And that when God is saying forgive, and in your heart you're saying I'm not going to forgive. You need to sacrifice how you feel. Suffer yourself to be defrauded. When you suffering yourself to be defrauded is a form of sacrifice. Why? Because you may feel like you're right. You may feel like you're just. But in order for peace to be made, somebody has to sacrifice. But there is no making a peace without sacrificing. Sacrificing is the greatest part of enhancing a relationship that most humans are not willing to do because it will cost you something. Sometimes your pride has to be sacrificed because in order to make peace, sometimes you have to look small. Sometimes you have to be embarrassed to make peace. But the scriptures say, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers. Making peace is not easy. Sometimes you've got to humble yourself. Humbling yourself is a form of sacrificing. Praise God. No relationship can continue to grow deeper, enriching, and more intimate 
without party sacrificing throughout the duration of the relationship. No relationship can endure to the end because every relationship, man relationship with God, church friends, brothers, sisters, marriages, friendships, no relationship, no relationship can grow without both parties being willing to sacrifice and give up their pride, their incos, their bitterness, grudges, whatever is blocking that relationship from growing and continuing without somebody sacrificing. And that is the challenge for most humans because it takes humility. It takes humility. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to be embarrassed to, to sacrifice. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Sometimes, man, some of the things you got to apologize for, it can make you look bad. But you got to sacrifice that moment of embarrassment for the good of the future. You got to be willing to sacrifice how are you going to feel at that time if you want to hold on to your spouse? You got to be able to admit, you know, I was wrong in that moment right there. At that particular, you know, I misread it. I misjudged it. I thought I was right. But at this moment, my judgment was off. I don't know. Just humble yourself. And, and because there is no continuation of relationships without sacrifice. That is the most powerful way to build anything. It's through sacrifice and praise God. You can't build anything without somebody being willing to sacrifice. All right, let's go over here to Romans 12. Praise God. So if you're not willing to sacrifice every relationship you're involved in. <laughs> let, me, let me read this in Romans 5 first. Romans 5, 6 to 8. I, I just don't want to miss that. Romans 5, 6 to 8. Oh, I love this verse. I love this. I absolutely love it. And when I think about, as I'm, as I'm understanding the word of God more and more, and I'm, as I'm gaining more insight into it, and it's just helping me more and more to understand God's heart. God gave record. He literally had an angel speak from heaven to let Abraham know that this relationship just went to another level because I prompted you to give up Isaac. I prompted you to give up Isaac, something that I know you love dearly, and without hesitation, you were willing to give up for our relationship to grow deeper and more intimate and the last. You were willing to give that up for me just like that. That spoke to God. And after that sacrifice, a whole new level of the relationship opened up. If you notice, after that moment, after that interval, God began to speak so many great things about Abraham's future. And many of us, we want the prophecy of God, and we want God to speak great things into our life and about our future. But God will speak more and more about those things on the other side of your sacrifice. Praise God. Look what it says in Romans 5, 6 to 8. Praise God. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. A true sacrifice has to be timely. You can't call a party to the table at the wrong time. It takes wisdom. You've got to be able to discern in a relationship when is the right time to talk about what. When is the right time to require the sacrifice? Praise God. It says in due time, 
Christ died for the ungodly. It says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. He says, but God commended or showed, y'all listen to this, he showed his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, my God, that's so powerful. When you are a person that's willing to sacrifice, you're not waiting for the other party to get on the same page as you. The true love makes the first move. The true love plays the first card. The true love makes itself vulnerable for the sake of gaining something in the end. True love, when you are really walking in sacrifice, you're going to throw yourself on the altar first, and you're not even sure what the outcome is going to be. You're not even sure if it's going to be received. You're not sure if it's going to be rejected. But you know the only chance of this relationship being salvaged or this relationship growing is if I sacrifice. If I do this sacrifice and they receive me, I gain my brother. But if they don't do it, they won't be able to say, I didn't do everything in my power to make sure that I tried to make this thing right. Lord have mercy, Jesus. You got to be willing to sacrifice your pride first <laughs> to make peace with your wife. Sacrifice your pride first. The, the most mature person in a relationship, y'all catch this, the Holy Ghost just spoke this to me. The most mature person in a relationship is the one that makes the sacrifice first. Because the one that makes the sacrifice first is not worrying about their pride and how they feel, but they're worrying about what can I do to salvage the relationship, repair the relationship, or make the relationship grow. So the, the most mature, this is how you judge who's mature, about the person that's willing to play the first card. By the person that's willing to look the weakest. The person that's willing to look the most vulnerable. Because sometimes when you're walking in real love, it will make you look weak. It will make you look vulnerable. But if you have pride, relationships can never grow deep and intimate because you're more worried about how you're going to feel when you make the sacrifice versus making the sacrifice for the sake of saving a relationship. Praise God. The most mature person is the one that makes the first sacrifice. Then it say, but God commended his love. While I was in the club, while I was getting high, while I was drinking, fornicating, doing things that he didn't like, while I wasn't even thinking about God, hallelujah, while I wasn't even thinking about being saved, while I had no idea what Christ did, while I had, I mean, it wasn't the farthest thing from my mind when I was walking in sin was living for God. But even when God wasn't even on my mind, God said, peradventure when the gospel is being preached and they decide to turn, at least I will already have made a way and the price for salvation will already have been paid. God had the price for salvation paid while you weren't even thinking about him. What kind of God is that? What kind of God is that? Now, that's the kind of love that God, and he said this, so walk in love as Christ walked in it. Meaning, he wasn't the only one called to sacrifice. We all are called to live a life of sacrifice. If you wonder why your relationships can't grow deeper and more intimate with God or with people, it's because you're not willing to give up for the sake of the growth of the relationship. Praise God. 
You all, your trust and loyalty will always be questioned when you're not willing to sacrifice. But sacrifice speaks commitment. It speaks love. It speaks that I can trust you. It speaks that you're loyal. Loyalty is not just a word. Loyalty is shown in actions through sacrifices. Praise God. Amen. So let's go over here. Now I'm going to bring this home. Let's go over here to the Gospel of Matthew. Praise God. And I just want to drive this point home to you real quick. Amen. So hopefully I walked through this and showed you, hopefully you see the heart of God and what real worship is. You see the heart of God, that real worship. Praise God. Man, I can feel the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. When you begin to sacrifice, man, and live up, you live a life of God, it doesn't matter what you want me to give up. <laughs> Whatever you want me to give up, however far you want me to travel, wherever you want me to go, God, I'm willing to sacrifice my time, my effort, my finances. Whatever you're asking me to give up and lay down for you, I'll do it. And every sacrifice you make for him speaks to him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mark, Matthew 16, and this is where I'm going to bring it to a close. Pray for it, pray for it. Mark 16, 24. Mark, Matthew, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Verse 24. Praise God. Here's Jesus saying, and I'm going to just read through this. Then said Jesus unto his disciples praise God listen to this listen to this he said if any man will come after me any man anybody anybody praise God he said if you're going to decide that you want to come after me he said let him deny himself number one number two and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life will lose it. Praise God. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. He's speaking about sacrificing him. All right. So let's look at this, this, this text, this passage real quick. Number one, Jesus said, and it's about three points I want to grab from here. Number one, any man that decides to follow Christ, number one, you have made a decision. Christ, I want to follow you. Now what he's getting ready to tell you is this is how you're going to have to walk because this is how our God has asked me to walk. Number one, number two point, deny himself. What are you denying? You are denying how you feel. <laughs> Praise God. You are denying how you think about it. You are denying how you want it to go. You're denying everything about yourself. Okay? Everything about yourself. You're denying desires and urges that may come that you don't want to. You're denying sometimes having the last word. Sometimes getting your way. That's you. Sometimes you got to deny wanting everything to go the way you want it to go. But then look what he said the next point. Here is the point. Four points. This is the third. And take up his cross. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. 
But now everybody today focusing on what Jesus did on the cross. <laughs> but what about your cross? Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. What, what is your cross? Why did Jesus say take up your cross? What was he talking about? <laughs> First you say, Lord, I am going to follow you wherever you go. I am going to deny you. <laughs> well, what about three years down the road when you've been following the Lord? Because now desire is coming up on the inside of you. And you know as a believer that you have a desire to carry out something that God don't want you to carry out. But that's what that cross is for. Spiritually, you're supposed to take that desire that you know that is not pleasing to God three years later after you decided to walk with him. And you're supposed to put that up on that cross and let that desire be crucified. Why do you say that? Because your cross can pop up in your life at any point in your Christian walk. You can serve God 10 years and something can pop up and you can let yourself get entangled again in something. And now you got to pull that cross back out. And that thing that you allowed yourself to get entangled in this time, all of those desires can come back. All of the thought process of how to perform it can come back. And all of that about that old man. I don't care if you've been 20 years following God. In 20 years, if behavior comes up on the inside of you that's not pleasing to God, sacrifice it and put it on the cross. Lord have mercy, Jesus. <laughs> Can I get an amen on that? Because I felt that. I felt that. I felt that. I felt that. <laughs> Praise God. He said, pick up your cross. And let's say you've been living for God five years and you're single and now you're starting to feel lonely. And now that desire is coming back. And you feel like, okay, I need to leave God, go get this resolved and come back. No. What you're supposed to do, you're supposed to go before God. And you're supposed to say, okay, God, is this the person for me? And the spirit may say, no, you're not ready yet. Okay. Now you're supposed to take that desire because the spirit has told you, okay, this is not my will for you at this time. But you still feel the desire. You still feel the urge. You're supposed to take that desire and take that urge and put it on that cross that Jesus told you that you, you saying so I can pull my cross out five years later. You can pull it out whenever you need it. Any desire that comes up in your walk with Christ, but that's not a God, that's a cross moment. That's a cross time. But that's time, that's a moment of sacrifice. Because if it's your desire and not God's desire, any desire that comes up and it may be something you want to do and the Spirit say that's not God pull your cross out get up on that cross anywhere and everywhere and it's a spiritual cross it, it, you can pull your cross out at two in the morning when you being fought to watch things you're not supposed to watch pull that cross out and say lust you getting on this cross at two in the morning I'm not giving in to it and you crucify your members that's up on the earth that's sacrifice Lord have mercy Jesus that's my first time teaching on that. Praise God. That is literally my first time talking about that. But I understand. That's sacrifice. You and every thought. That's why Paul say, taking in the captivity every thought. See, you got to know yourself. You got to be able to examine every thought, every desire, and compare to that word in God's will. And if the spirit has shown you that is not of God, put it on the cross. Everybody can pull up videos and movies and watch what Jesus did on the cross. But what you doing with your cross? 
Everybody want to talk about the blood that was shed, and I'm grateful for it because the blood of Christ purged my conscience from sin. But what about your cross? What you going to put on the cross today? What you going to put on the cross tomorrow? You can't grow in your walk with God if you're not willing to put things that not please, don't please him on the cross. Praise God. Anything that's not pleasing to him, put it on that cross. Not his cross, your cross. He said, take up his cross and follow me. <laughs> Praise God. Now look what he's saying, verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Hallelujah, Lord. <laughs> what that scripture is saying is when the spirit of God, the grace of God, leading you to something to put on a cross that's not pleasing to him, and you save it, then you don't kill it. Then you say, you know what? I'm not ready to sacrifice that right now. Hallelujah, Lord. I'm not ready to give that up right now. Then you save that desire. You walk away and you keep that desire. You leave church and go back into doing that same thing. Look what the Lord say. That person that didn't want to put his life on that cross when I prompted him to, he said that same person is going to lose his life in the end or his soul. Praise God. Hallelujah, Lord. And this is the main reason why Christian people struggle to grow in that walk with God. Because when God is requiring them to give things up to grow deeper and more intimate with him, they make all kind of reasons and excuses and doctrines on why they should hold on to it, why it's not that bad. And forget what Paul said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Any trace of your old life that you're not willing to sacrifice for God can come back and open the door for your whole being to be repopulated with sin. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. He says, for what shall it profit you if you gain the whole world or every desire that you have, you never put it on a cross and sacrifice it and you lose your soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? <laughs> Lord have mercy. He's talking about what desire or what do you love so much that you're not willing to sacrifice and put on a cross and give up now so that your soul can be saved later? And that's questions, that's things you've got to settle in your heart. You know where you are with God. You know what God is prompting you to do. It's not the preacher's job to police your life and police all of your actions. The spirit of God is going to deal with you. And that's what your conscience is for. In your conscience and in your spirit, when he starts dealing with you and prompting you and saying, hey, these are the things that will cause you to get closer to God. But that's between you and God. But now, if you're not willing to put those desires on the cross and sacrifice them, don't be immature and blame somebody else that you're not willing to sacrifice. Own up to it and say, you know what? The reason I'm not saved, or the reason I'm not drawing close to God, or the reason I can't feel his spirit is because when he prompted me to give this woman up or this man up or whatever, I didn't want to do it. I chose to save my life and not put it on the cross. I have this attitude because every time God puts me in a situation to crucify my attitude, I give into it and I don't put it on the cross. But you can't blame me because you don't want to put your sinful ways on the cross. How are you going to blame me for that when I'm putting mine on the cross? When I'm getting up, I'm fasting, I'm modifying my members on the earth. How is it my fault? 
if I'm telling you this is what God is requiring for you to draw closer to him, how can you blame a preacher that you're not drawing close to God when the way to draw close to God is sacrificing and, and laying your life down? How can you be so naive and immature to think that it's somebody else's fault that you're not growing in God? You got to take responsibility and say, when God prompted me to give it up, I didn't want to give it up. <laughs> so I'm going to just find somewhere that's going to let me keep it. Be honest. Because I'm never going to stop telling you that you got to get into heaven. You got to be spotless. You got to be holy. You got to be clean. You got to be pure. That's going to be the message I carry till I go into the, to the grave. Or if, I, if Christ come and I don't go to the grave and he catch me out of here. Until my time on this earth expires, the word that God put in my mouth is never going to change. You can't draw close to God without sacrificing and giving up things to get close to him. It's nobody's fault when you got a practice in your heart that you don't want to give up. You heard the word when God is telling you, I don't like this behavior. You can't blame anybody that you don't want to give that behavior up but you. If you got a cross to carry and you don't want to carry, that's not my fault. That's your fault. Amen. Amen. It's nobody's fault if you don't want to die. Praise God. So know this. Know this. If you're following Christ, be ready to grab a cross. Be ready to deny yourself. Be ready to sacrifice. Praise God. He said, for what does it profit a man if he came the whole world and then he loses soul? Jesus is asking you a question. What did you get out of it? If I've been prompting you to give up something and you save it and you enjoy that thing for the rest of your life, and then you get to the end of your life and that thing caused you to lose your life. He say, what profit is that? What advantage did you gain? He say, for the son of man shall come in the glory of his father with his angels and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there shall be some standing here who is not shall taste of death till the Son of Man come, till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Praise God. So praise God, praise God, praise God. As I bring this to a close and we get ready to pray, praise God. I want you to think about what God spoke to you today. I want you to think about this. Amen. I want you to grasp this. I want you to grasp what I spoke to you today. Amen. Worshiping by sacrificing. Whenever you are trying to grow in your walk with God, God will always visit you. And when you're trying to understand this, think about your marriages, your friendships, your relationships, anything you've ever been involved in. Think about it from that perspective. The only way trust grows and love grows and intimacy grows and levels of the relationship grow is when one party witnesses the sacrifice of the other party. And you yourself can bear witness that it, in your mind it registers, man, now I know that this woman or this man really loved me because they gave up something to stay with me. Even in your own mind, you know that, be, that, that to be true. That's a concept. That's the intelligence of love talking to. And so it is with God. We can't speak louder to God than by sacrifice.
We can honor him with our lips and our mouth. But when you serving from the heart, in our heart, that's where the issues of life are. And that's where God want to live. And the way that your intimacy and your growth and your walk with God is enhanced and is rich in any relationship is in moments of sacrifice. Your love can never be questioned when you're willing to sacrifice. Praise God. So if God has been dealing with you to sacrifice some things, just imagine your cross behind you. Just think about it today. Your cross. Everybody thinking about Jesus' cross. But I want you to think about your cross today. <laughs> because we all can, can grow in God. And this is the method that God has given us to grow in God. Sacrificing. And think about it. I want you to think about what is the spirit of God dealing with you about and prompting you about. And if you're trying to grow in your walk with God, I want you to think about this today. And then once you start to think about it, I want you to envision yourself giving that up. And then we're going to pray and I'm going to ask God, hallelujah, to help you. To, to help you bring yourself to the point of sacrificing. Because you can't grow in God. You can't grow in Christ if you are not willing to sacrifice as he sacrificed. Hallelujah. Christ withheld nothing when he laid his life down for us. And if we want to be close to him, we can't withhold nothing. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I'm going to ask that you join me in prayer and let us go before God. And, and we're going to go. I always like to go before God in repentance and humility. Amen. And then just being humble and meek and low in mind. And I'm going to ask you wherever you are, if there's things you need to be repentant of as we move into the presence of God. Remember, the presence of God is just not in church. Amen. But the presence into the holiest of all is available to me and you right where we are. Praise God. So I'm going to ask that you go into prayer with me right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus. And I'm believing God that even God can still pour out his spirit right where you are. A lot of you have been seeking God for the Holy Ghost. Remember, I got filled with the spirit, praise God, in my grandmother's room without somebody laying hands on. And now I, I see the value of that experience because many of you need to be filled with the spirit. And a lot of you not coming to the point of being filled with the spirit of God because there's things that you're not willing to give up. But you can't put new wine, which is the spirit of God, into an old bottle, which is the old man. Hallelujah. So as we come into the presence of the Lord right now, if you feel God's spirit coming over you as you go into his presence with me, let him fill you. Let him overtake you. Praise God. Don't worry about our sound. Just come into the presence of God with me. Praise God. Hallelujah, Lord God. Oh, God, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, my wonderful God, wonderful Savior. Hallelujah, Lord, God, as we learn today, God, worshiping you, God, by sacrificing. Oh, God, I know, God, that in every heart, God, in every believer, Lord, God, God, we're all called to times of sacrifice, giving up things, God. God, that's not pleasing to you, God. God, we draw close to you by sacrificing. We draw near to you by sacrificing, God. 
God desires in us, things in us, God, that you're not pleased with, that you're not happy with, God. We bring them to you right now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Help us, God. Mm. Oh, God, as you reveal your heart to us, oh, God, and your mind, oh, God. God, and as you let us know, God, how you feel, God, and as you uncover your word to us, God. Let our hearts be pricked, oh God. Let our minds, oh God, be challenged. God, we humble ourselves before you, God. God, if there's anybody out there listening, oh God, I pray, God, that God, you grant them forgiveness, God. God, that you have mercy upon them, God. God, that you would save them today, God. Let them know that they must be born again, God, born of your spirit. God, let men be born again. God, even as we go through this pandemic, God, you can still pour out of your spirit. God, you can still save and fill with the Holy Ghost wherever we are, God. God, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Forgive me. God, and I pray right now, God, that if anybody is watching right now, God. God, and if they have been diagnosed with corona, God, COVID-19, God. God, the hand of the Lord is not short that it can't heal. God, the hand of the Lord is not short that it can't save. God, deliver right now. Heal of coronavirus. Go into hospital rooms and breathe into the lungs of mankind. You are the vaccine, God. You have the answer, God. You have the answer. The virtue is in heaven. Heal, God. Ooh. Send your word and heal, God. Heal of this pandemic, God. Wherever there's faith, wherever there's hope, wherever somebody's believing in you. God, that's somebody's father, mother, brother, daughter, sister, cousin, and friend. Co-worker, neighbor. Send your word in hospitals and heal them. Breathe and give them new lungs, God. As you did Adam, God. You created the body, God. Let the breath of the Almighty God cover over this earth all over again. God, even as your spirit moved upon the face of the deep, God, cause your spirit to move in this earth, oh God. God, remember the prophecy that you put on the heart of Joel. God, that in the last days, God, you would pour out of your spirit upon all flesh. Pour out of your spirit. Breathe in our nostrils. Cause dry bones to live again, God. Inspire your people, God. Breathe in your people. Save them from their sin. But you are the Lamb of God, Jesus, that came to save us from our sins. Save us, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Pour out of your spirit, God. Pour out of your spirit, God. God, I, can, I believe that you can save over the internet. God, and somebody watching needs to rededicate their life to you, God. God, open up the door for them to rededicate, to reconnect, God. God, and show them what caused the breach, God. God, let the sinner, God, come to you today, God. God, let those that have backslidden come home to you today, God, right where they are, prick their heart. God, prick their mind, oh God, to repent and turn 
God, and come back to the true shepherd and bishop of their soul. Oh, God, let everyone, oh, God, that may have been weak. God, and now I pray for the psyche, the mental aspect, God, of those that are facing this pandemic. Christian people, God, that may have lost loved ones. God, I pray for the mental toll, God, oh, God, that is taken upon people, God. The stress, oh, God, the anxiety, the worry. Hallelujah. Help us, oh, God. Give them peace, God. God, I pray, God, for Pastor Rowe, God, in Baton Rouge, God, that lost his mother, God, to this pandemic. Strengthen his heart. God, I pray for God, the workers at Opelousa's General, oh, God, heal and move from God. God, I pray for God, the epicenter of the U.S. now in New York, God, have mercy. God, I pray, God, for New Orleans, oh, God, have mercy. God, I pray for this parish, oh, God, have mercy. God, I pray for Houston, Texas, oh, God, there's more than ten righteous, have mercy. God, I beseech you for your mercy, God, in the care of your parish all over the world. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. God, you said if your people were that are called by your name, hallelujah, Lord. Father, that if we would call upon you and humble ourselves and turn, God. God, let those that are your people turn, God. Remind them of who they are in Christ. Give them the courage to come back to you, God. Many wonderful servants, God, have fallen in this warfare, God. Revive them. God, even as Ezekiel, God, saw the valley of bones. And those valley, God, in that valley, God, were the bones of kings and prophets and priests, oh God. The great leaders fell and were slain in the valley. Revive them, God. I speak to the wind. Breathe on your people, Jesus. Even as you breathe on your wonderful disciples, breathe on churches all over the world. Breathe upon us, oh God, the breath, oh God. Hallelujah. Let your spirit visit us all over again. Refresh us, God. Uh, somebody need their soul restored. Refresh them right where they are, God. Refresh right now, God. So fresh, oh God. Fresh, oh God. Make somebody fresh, oh God. Refresh us, God. Let your presence visit. One time the refreshing come only from the presence of God. So let them know that they are forgiven, oh God. Let them know that they are loved, God. Encourage it. Let them know that they must give up everything that's not even to you, God, that they may draw closer to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless them this week, oh God. Keep them this week. Let your hand be upon these precious people this week. And watch over. God, some you have healed, God, and they didn't even know you healed. In your mercy, you are here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank all of you for tuning in. Join in with us today. Amen. I'm going to read our benediction. And we are going to get ready to be dismissed. Praise the Lord.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Number 6, 24. It says, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. God bless you. Pray for you. Pray for me. Lift me up before God. Keep me in prayer. Intercede for me.